Hello everyone, this is Tribecast episode 39 and my name is Marina. This week we provided for you two interviews with two very interesting ladies. First you'll hear Vivian Lern talking about food hackathon and pop-up cooks and food techies. So basically we'll talk about how food can be implemented in the startup ecosystem and that was a yummy talk. And then we invited Nora Freelander from Nordit to explain to us what the crowdfunding is about. My name is Marina, this is Tribecastre, episode 39. Let's get to the interviews. And my first guest for this week is Vivian, who is an organizer and the soul and the spirit of simultaneously two groups. One is a community called Pop-Up Cooks. It's a group of uh, cooks who are doing pop-up catering and pop-up food events. But the other group, which I would like to talk more about, is a newly emerging community called Food Techies. And I have so many questions about how to combine food and technology. But let's start from the person-to-person type of conversation. Therefore, hello, Vivian. And could you please tell our listeners a few things about yourself, starting with your name? Hello, my name is Vivian Liang. I'm a material planner by day and an entrepreneur by night. I love cheese and I hate wasting food. I don't support your love for cheese, I should admit, <laughs> but I do like good food and cooking. Could you please tell us about food techies as a community? How did the idea come? And is it only about people who are cooking? Well, the idea came about because I was spending time in the tribe community and participating. And I noticed that there were a lot of startups developing, but none of them were based around food, or there was very, very little. Most of them were some kind of tech startup with some sort of software or some sort of app or some really sort of sophisticated piece of technology. And I was also thinking about the food scene in Finland, which wasn't really great when I first came to Finland. And I was thinking... Why not use technology and all of the gifts that has brought us to make the food industry and the food business better? My major is also supply chain management logistics. And I have noticed that the food industry over the past few decades has generally had quite a traditional business model and quite a traditional perspective on the way we use food and our approach to it. And I would say that food is definitely a serious business, especially big topic nowadays with the highlight on climate change and sustainability. And I would actually say the top three sources of the CO2 emissions that are happening are due to transportation clothing and food. So mm-hmm. by addressing the challenges we are having with food, with food waste, with food uh, production, mm-hmm. we are actually addressing a lot of those topics with sustainability as well, which people, a lot of people are concerned about. And so I was thinking we should have more food startups. And I happened to meet my partner, uh, Kimo Rauhiainen, at the same time, and he had the same idea. And uh, he was very much immersed in the startup community, and we thought we would be a good pair. And so we started developing this concept. So now I feel a bit bad about that mango which is waiting for me in a fridge, because definitely (laughs) it had quite a story of transportation. However, I think that maybe Finnish cuisine is very traditional, and there is no really space for development, especially for applying some technology to it. What do you say to that? 
I would actually disagree. I feel like there is a lot of technological innovation actually coming from Finnish people and Finnish food.、Uh, yes, Finnish cuisine is quite traditional, but I've actually seen a lot of interesting innovations happen in the past couple of years. The most recent example I can think of or examples are with、uh, Nutukaura, also known as pulled oats. They created a meat substitute made purely out of oats, and that was kind of produced in a scientific lab. And I guess not a lot of people at the time thought it would be a huge hit, but it was a great success. And it showed that Finnish people are interested in alternatives to meat, interested in eating sustainable and more healthy. And it showed that、uh, Finnish people are open to different types of food. Uh, same with the advent of Harkis. When that came out, it was extremely successful. And I don't know if people are following all of the new inventions or innovations that have come to S Market, but there is broad bean ice cream.、Uh, there is also a bunch of other products that have been made out of oats or some other more sustainable crop. And so I think there's actually a lot of innovation going on. And also in Sweden, who is the inventor of Oatly and the oat milk, that has taken off not only in the Nordics, but also is a hit in North America. So I think there is a lot coming out from Finland. It's just a matter of marketing it. And as we all know, Finnish people are very humble, they're very honest, they don't like to brag. But、uh, now is not the time for that modesty. We really actually need to showcase that, hey, we have some great solutions out there that could solve not only Finland's challenges with food and with the relationship with food, but maybe even worldwide. Since you started bragging, could you name a few startups which are part of Food Techies? Well, we are hosting our first ever hackathon in November, and two of the companies that are joining us will be Atariat.com, who is looking to develop their app for food catering service, and Vala Technologies. Also, we are creating more and more partnerships every day. Fotser has expressed an interest in doing. Food hackathon with us in the spring. We are talking with the good guys, the kombucha brewery, about how they're trying to create the zero food waste initiative. We are slowly gaining members into the food techies community, and of course, we have our pop up cooks, which、uh, is a community that we have been building from scratch since March. All right, and、uh, I have now so many questions. Let's maybe go through the hackathon since you mentioned it. So, what are the challenges, so to say? What are the tasks? Who can join? Well, one of the first biggest challenges we had with the food hackathon is that because it's not a traditional hackathon, we needed a proper venue because we are now involving the food element. And actually, a lot of the food challenges we wanted to do or that we wanted to tackle involved having lots of expensive equipment or at least some kind of industrial kitchen. So that was the first challenge we faced, and we kind of solved that by doing an idea concept hackathon. So, and of course, there is the very short time frame in which we are doing this hackathon.、Uh, we only started last week to advertise it, and、uh, we kind of have only a few weeks to get it together. And of course,、uh, right now we are working with a shoestring budget as well. <laughs> so that will also be a challenge we have. And there is, of course, resources,、uh, having volunteers or people to help and staff the hackathon because Kimo and I definitely cannot do it alone. And of course, that problem is being solved by the tribe community. Actually,、um, a lot of the tribe community members have just stepped in and said, "Hey, how can we help?" And it's been absolutely great. And of course, this food hackathon would not be possible without the support of tribe.、Uh, they are actually sponsoring this first. Event and we are extremely grateful for that. But this is what community is about: giving a hand and getting some help back. Speaking of which, 
Why is there a community for cooks? My favorite pizzeria and my favorite sushi place are rivals. So why do you believe that in this quite tough business, there's still needed community and there can be like normal cooperation? There are, I think, two primary reasons that I started the pop-up cooks. One was because I love food and I felt that the food scene was very lacking in Tambre. Um, I've actually had to learn to cook a lot of my favorites from back home because, quite frankly, if you wanted to get good food, it's quite expensive. The second reason is um, for the food techies community, you need to bring together foodies and techies. And we had kind of that tech community already because, of course, chemo is very well networked. And, of course, the tribe community is full of techies. But we didn't really have a community for those people passionate about food. And... Uh, There is actually a third reason. I had actually gotten, I got my full-time job uh, working for Atco Power, and I was extremely grateful and happy uh, because I know it is a struggle, especially if you don't speak Finnish. And I understand the pain of other immigrants like myself of trying to find a job here, being extremely qualified and being extremely capable, but still struggling to find a job. And I wanted to give them other opportunities, other openings to try and break in to this field. And my personal experience from being a second generation immigrant in Canada was that most immigrants, what they do when they came to Canada was the parents, because they had all sorts of language barriers and so all sorts of stereotypes against them. Most of them started a restaurant. And then their children went on to basically become uh, educated and incorporated in the culture. And then they went on either to continue in the food business or continue into the other industries or do whatever they want. And so I thought this is the path for immigrants in Finland. It's And it's a win-win situation because these immigrants, they bring their cuisine and they bring their culture. They enliven the food scene. They bring in small businesses. Once they become successful, they will then eventually hire other people, local people. And so it's a win-win relationship for everyone. And so I, that's one of the reasons I created that network so that those people, because a lot of those people, uh, including some of my friends, they tried to start a restaurant and they got extremely frustrated. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. Everything was in Finnish. So it was really important to have that support network. And uh, I know that you spoke earlier of uh, rivalries between The, uh, those, those two restaurants, um, surprisingly enough, and without much initiative on chemo on my part, the cooks that have come together have been extremely welcoming and supportive of each other. And they don't see each other as rivals. They see each other as peers. And they know that in supporting another cook or a quote-unquote rival cook, they are not losing business, that that cook will eventually pay them back. And what goes around comes around, basically. It's totally karma. Thank you very much for this explanation, Vivian. I basically have one last question, I think. How can one join the community? What are the sources to reach you and what are the requirements for, for you to Of course, to they can always visit our website, www.foodtechiespistafi. Uh, they can also visit the Tampere Pop-Up Cooks website if they're interested in becoming uh, a pop-up cook, tampere.popupcookspistafi. Uh, we also have our Facebook pages. And uh, for our pop-up cooks, I actually our community is on the Facebook group there right now at the moment. So they can just visit Tampere Pop-Up Cooks. And of course, they can uh, request to join from there. Basically, right now, it's a very simple situation. Just 
via the website, via Facebook, even via Tribe. Ask about us, and someone will forward our our information. Anyone who's interested in starting a food business of any kind is welcome. The food hackathon is from November twenty third to twenty fourth. It starts at twelve p.m. on the Saturday and ends at five p.m. on the Sunday. You do not have to be there both days necessarily. Everyone is welcome who is interested to join and participate. And、uh, if you can only join for a per- short period, that's okay. Is it possible to come to the hackathon as a, some kind of visitor or just the audience? Like if I don't cook myself, but I'm curious what's happening. As a visual audience member, I think that is possible as well. Definitely、uh, best to ask us directly when we have more、uh, understanding of the event details and situation.、Mm-hmm. We understand that not everyone can give up their whole weekend and spend twenty four hours mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at a hackathon. Is participation free? Yes, participation is free, but you must register. Thank you very much, Vivian, for this interview. Definitely, we got some food for thought <laughs> and for our tummies. By the way, it's really great that now、uh, pop-up cooks are catering to some events for Tribe. So probably slowly but steadily, we are moving away from the pizza and beer community towards some other type of food and sometimes pizza community. <laughs> I just want to thank all the pop-up cooks who already catered for、uh, events at Tribe and at B Forty Seven, and Vivian for organizing that connection. Thank you very much for this interview. See you around. Thank you very much, Marina, and、uh, thank you to Tribe. Thank you to Tampere ES.、Uh, thank you to all of the startups working with us, Atariyatacom and Vala, and of course, thank you to. Our pop-up cooks and all of the volunteers that are helping us with food techies.、Um, I know you mentioned that I was the soul and spirit of these organizations, but these people truly are. So we have one more guest this week, and she did a, quite a journey from Turku to Tampere to tell the people from Tampere ecosystem what crowdfunding is about. And also, I think that she's quite an interesting persona and speaker and coach. Hello, Nora. Great to see you and to have you today in Tampere. So, before your workshop starts, could you please tell us a few things about yourself? Yeah, for sure. For first of all, it was Rauma. <laughs> we have in Norway, we have half of the team in Turku and half of the team in Rauma. And I live in Rauma, so I happen to be in that team. But yes, I'm Nora Frelander. I'm a crowdfunding expert. I have been doing Kickstarter campaigns for almost three years now, and while Nordet has been doing closer to five years, and we have gathered closer to 2.9 million dollars for companies so far. Do you happen to remember your first crowdfunding campaign and how, in general, you got the interest to this kind of activity, so to say? The first campaign I was involved with was a project called High Baller, which was High Roller Company's second product. It's like massage balls that's basically in the air, so they won't run away while using them. So it's very, very neat, neat product, and they sold with over one hundred thousand. On Kickstarter, but still, I mean, maybe for my previous like pre-startup ecosystem experience, asking for money is kind of a little bit embarrassing, you know. And you basically go very much public. And、uh, as far as I understand, crowdfunding it's basically about going public and saying, "Hey, everybody, I need cash for this project." How did you start doing that in general? Why did you have the interest to towards this field? Well, it was actually Joel George, who is our CEO, who started the entire well, Nordet, 
And everything started from the fact that there are so freaking many awesome ideas in Finland in general for for crowdfunding product ideas. Well, yes, there are public funds to get, but it doesn't very much help you to go international. With crowdfunding, you can actually do pre-sales for a product. So you and it's for international purposes, so you can actually go international doing sales for a product plus do market testing at the same time do you even have well a market and where is it is it in the US or or Europe or Asia or where is it so it's it's very very neat in that way so could you give us a few practical explanations how crowdfunding works let's say i have decided to commercialize tripecast for example how do i do the shout out Well, let's go if you have, for example, a game that's easier. They games sell very, very, very well on on Kickstarter. So if you have a game, you have basically a playable demo, and you only need the money to finish up the game. Or also, if you have a physical uh, product, whatever it is, like in sports or something, you have a working prototype which is completely finished. Then basically, you have to have all the plans ready how to actually launch. You have to have the manufacturing plans, logistics plans, marketing plans, and so on. And when you have enough followers on social media, then you can basically launch on Kickstarter and start selling. And that's that's the way it goes. That usually we recommend of preparing for a campaign at least for three months, which sounds like a long time. But then again, sales in general takes a long time usually for preparation for those. So basically within in your experience within three months I can get from zero to how much? Million? Yeah, it, it depends on the product and how well you do actually the marketing. Of course it depends on the budget. And that's the main thing is actually like how much are you willing to put into marketing. And that's the same with with like with whatever sales. If you don't put money into marketing, you won't sell. So if you have the courage enough to do so and you have planned it correctly so you know where the keywords are for social media marketing and so on, and most likely you have a marketing agency to aid you as well, then, yeah, the sky is basically the limit. That you, for example, with games, you can't reach a million with for example some yeah some consumer products we can easily talk about hundreds of thousands but once again it totally depends on the product sometimes to get 10,000 is enough for your product and then you should go for that okay and what would you name as the main mistakes for a startup which starts on the path of crowdfunding oh if let's say if a campaign is unsuccessful which means that the campaign does not reach its money goal within certain days. Most likely, they have done problems with marketing. They have not find the, found the right audience for the product. Also, the video, extremely, extremely important that the video is good. And also, what can be wrong is, is the money, the price of the product that you're selling. Sometimes it, they are just asking too much money, easy as that. And with, with whatever sales, if you're asking too much, you won't sell. 
Well, one thing that might go wrong is as well that the product is out too early, which basically means that it's so futuristic that it's the wrong timing of going out with it. Or perhaps you don't even have a market, but then you know that there is no point of starting manufacturing something that's not, well, going to sell anyways. Because on Kickstarter, the point is that you actually are selling a product for early birds. So those are the people who wants to be earlier than anyone else out there with, well, getting a new product. And if they don't buy, what is the likelihood of anyone else buying? True, true. But how do you balance that? How do you learn if the market is ready or not? Um, well, of course, you will start off with doing social media and check if you are getting enough audience there. And you can always send out a survey, ask if people are willing to start buying and with what price, and then go with that information. And if it happens to be that you are unsuccessful, then you can always analyze the situation Adjust, for example, the pricing or the goals and launch again. Easy as that. And then you know if, if you're too early or too late with a product. Speaking of social media, which is your favorite one, marketing-wise? Personally, for me, it's LinkedIn at the moment. <laughs> But once again, if, if a campaign, if you're talking about it, it depends on the product. If you're talking about games, it might be Reddit nowadays. Just because there are the gamers and the 20-something-year-old males. Uh, sometimes it's Instagram, especially if we are talking about clothing, those kind of products. But most importantly nowadays, I think you need to have yourself a very good personal branding. Because in the end, your personal branding sells actually better than clothing brand. Basically, if you have... A thousand people who are basically following you and helping you out is more than 10 people who are helping out a well, product that they don't know about, basically. So don't forget about personal branding these days. It's very, very effective. Okay. That was a good advice. Could you please share with our listeners, because of course not all of them will be present uh, during your today's workshop. Could you please share a few other advice and Could you please, generally tell what your workshop today is about? Yeah, my workshop today is generally about what is crowdfunding and what is rewards-based crowdfunding, because those can mean separate things, actually. <laughs> uh, there is equity crowdfunding, for example, which is the more famous in Finland, which is selling your shares. Then there is rewards-based crowdfunding, which is doing pre-sales, plus we have charity. So basically the word crowdfunding means that you can gather money for cancer treatments or selling shares for a Bitcoin company, which is quite crazy. Then we go forward into Kickstarter and why you should go there and why do people purchase from Kickstarter. And after that, through more like what is needed to actually succeed in one, like what sort of different plans do you need to have, like logistics plans and video script and so on, which are extremely, extremely important when going into Kickstarter. It's like you're putting together a puzzle. You might know your own product very well, but in the end you need to have all the puzzles to actually make it work because without, for example, a manufacturing plan, You have an awesome product idea. You might have a prototype, but and you do a crowdfunding and you succeed in it, but there is no factory that could actually manufacture it. it 
yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be in the end very successful. So you need to get the right partners before going on on Kickstarter and get all the plans ready so that you can actually walk around all the possible pitfalls. All right. Sounds like this is going to be an interesting workshop. Are you given any other coming workshops or lectures somewhere outside of Rauma? Um, well, yesterday I was actually in Turku. But next up, it looks like I will be talking with a school, probably. It looks like the different schools in Finland starts to be a little bit more interesting, like the different Merkonomi economic students. And then it looks also that I'm going towards Tallinn in December. So looking forward to that. And hopefully I will get into the gaming scene in in Uvascula next year when the new gaming house opens up. So I'm trying to get myself in there. So please send me an invite. All right. Maybe our partners and friends in Uvascula are listening to this episode. So hopefully. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for this interview, Nora. That was fun. I wish you good luck with the workshop and let's probably let you go and prepare for it. Oh, thank you. It will be so much fun being here today. And I'd like to remind our listeners that the interview from Joel from Nordit can be heard in the Turko episode of Tribecast Summer Tour. By the way, I would like to thank Harry Hallinen for the amazing posters for Tribecast Summer Tour. If you haven't seen them on our Twitter, please go and check. Those are just great. And this is actually all for this week. Oh, we do actually have some news for you. Let me announce for the first time ever that Tribecast has got the media accreditation for Slush. So see you there and don't miss the special Slush episode of Tribecast Tre. My name is Marina. This was Tribecast episode 39. I wish you all a nice weekend. Take care of yourself and stay warm and tuned. Tribecast.